Good evening. Good to see everybody here tonight. So uh, turn over to Second Timothy, chapter four. So last week uh, we looked at verse six. Um, and Paul's, uh, basically we're looking at Paul at the end of his life, um, and basically what Paul is doing here is he is reflecting um, on his life as a whole. He's um, looking at um, what is about to happen, what is uh, the inevitable um, arrival of his death uh, very soon at the hands of of Nero, at the hands of the Romans, um, and then looking ahead to the future. And so last week we looked at um, his pending death and how Paul was viewing that death as it was approaching. This week we're going to look uh, at Paul reflecting back, looking back at his life and the memories that he shares in verse 7. Um, so Second uh, Timothy 4 verse 7 reads, If uh, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So how can you do a sermon on one verse like that? Well, there's a lot there, actually. Um, so the first memory that, that Paul pulls on and he looks back on is that he fought the good fight. Um, the Christian life is often looked at or referred to as a conflict, as a war. Uh, if you look back at Ephesians, at the full armor of God, warriors wear armor. Farmers don't wear armor, right? Warriors do. And so the full armor of God is, is explained in that way because it is a conflict. It's a battle that is being fought. It's a conflict with sin. It's a conflict with the world. It's a conflict with flesh, the devil. Um, and Paul says that, that he's been able to maintain. He's been able to fight this fight um, and continue on in that fight. Um, you know, Paul says that the way he says it makes it seem like he's looking back at his life um, with satisfaction, that he was satisfied with the fight that he fought. Um, he calls it uh, the good fight. Um, Paul is not saying that he was perfect. He's not saying that he was sinless. Uh, in fact, if you look back at 1 Timothy, back at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, Paul writes, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. See, Paul recognizes that he is not sinless, that he was full of sin. He lived a sinful life, even though he thought it was right. 
And even after his uh, contact with Jesus, that perfection, that, that perfect life that many think Christians have, didn't exist. He noticed, or he recognized that he was sin, that he was uh, not sinless, but that he had found mercy. That mercy had been provided to him. Um, and on the side of perfection, if you look back at Philippians chapter three in his letter uh, to the church there in Philippi, um, this verse is probably or this section is probably pretty familiar to you. Um, but uh, verses two through fourteen. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. See, Paul says, I'm not perfect, but I'm striving for that. I'm pressing on for that because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He had hope that that perfect life, even though he knew he didn't have it, his goal was to strive for it uh, in, in doing so through the righteousness that's available through, through Jesus. And so when we come to our life's end, will we be able to look back at the fight that we have fought? And will we look back and be able to say that it was well done, that we fought a good fight? Having received the mercy of Jesus, having fought the good fight of faith, laying hold of eternal life, have we done that? Can we say that today? Uh, Go over to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at the end of this chapter, the last... uh, Three or four verses there, starting in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a, a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. See, Paul details the Christian life, the life of, of what we should be striving for today. He details it as a race. Uh, now, Paul, speaking to the, uh, the Corinthians here, uses an um, a, uh, illustration of basically things that they would be familiar with, with the Olympics, uh, with running, and these races that were happening. Uh, and this illustration, he says, that the athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. Okay, And then the next verse he says, but we are, are, are seeking an imperishable. So what he's saying is, is that the race that we're running is not for an earthly prize. It's not for earthly gain. It is for eternal gain. It is for an imperishable prize. And it's something that we talked about this morning in our, our morning sermon in that uh, eternal um, inheritance uh, that is waiting for us uh, after this life. Um, So Paul says in verse 7 of 2 Timothy 4, he says, I have finished the race. So again, he's he's pulling back from all of these things that he said before in the past about about the Christian life being a race, about uh, it being um, 
a fight, a battle, um, and he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. Now, this race that's being run, uh, turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, uh, this is not a sprint. This is not a race that, uh, that, well, if we're talking physical, this is not a race in any way that I could run. Um, because it is not a sprint, but it is more an endurance race, and neither of which I could do very well at. Um, <clears throat> but in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, the Hebrew writer um, writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There are people in here that run. And I think all of us at one point in our life have run, have run in races. They, They make us do that in school for some reason. But... I, uh, I remember in sixth grade, um, there was, a, I think it was a presidential, presidential challenge. It was some physical fitness thing that was terrible, awful. Um, I do remember that I did like 200 jumping jacks, but that's not what I'm talking about. There was a spot that, I was really sore the next day. Um, you had to run a mile, and there was a mile run. And I remember there were two guys in my class who were the runners, and then these guys ran everywhere. Uh, Michael Reith, um, who I just uh, reconnected with on Facebook not long ago, um, faithful Christian man today, uh, and um, uh, another friend of mine, Tim, and uh, they whooped us all. I mean, it was no competition. They they took off, and from the outset, they finished the race before everybody else. But to me, they were sprinting. But they weren't, right? And they, both of these guys uh, eventually went on to run cross-country and other, other things like that. Um, but when it comes, in, in the runners in the audience, audience, the runners here can, can attest to this, that an endurance race, um, it takes planning. It takes uh, serious training. Not that sprinting doesn't, right? The best sprinters in the world train for this, even though they make it look completely effortless. Adam Zabo assures me that there is a lot of physical training that goes into it's like muscle memory and how you pump your arms. There's like a specific way to pump your arms when you sprint. But endurance training, um, I at one time uh, was working my way up to a 5K. And um, the program I was on is called Couch to 5K. Um, and it's designed for couch potatoes like myself to get off the couch and eventually get up to a 5K. And so it starts out walking 30 minutes and then the next day it's walking for a stretch and then jogging for like 30 seconds and then walking some more and then jogging for 30 seconds and then it just increases that and uh, I'm sure any marathon runner or anyone who's training for any type of endurance or long distance race will tell you you have to work up to it Um, it's not something that you can just go out and say all right I'm in great shape I work out every day I'm going to run 26.1 miles it's not how it works there's training that has to be done to the body. And what, and what Paul is saying here and using this, uh, this illustration with the race is that there is training. There are things that 
you know, it, we can't just go out and, and think that we're going to run this race perfectly from day one. It takes training, it takes endurance, it takes patience. But Paul says that he can look back on his life and he can look back with contentment. That he was content with the race that he had run. He'd not given up, but instead, as he said in Philippians chapter 3, he'd pressed on toward the goal. And the goal was waiting for him. How about us? When it comes to the end of our life, will we be able to look back at, at our race, the race that we run or ran? Will we be able to say that we've completed the race of faith that was set before us? Or perhaps we, as uh, the Hebrew writer uh, put it in uh, verse 1 of chapter 12 there, are we, do we let the sin of unbelief trap us and ensnare us and slow us down in that race. And lastly, Paul says in verse 7 that he kept the faith. Now this either means that he uh, steadfastly maintained the faith of the gospel, or that he had lived a life of fidelity towards his master. Um, there's different ways to look at it, but either way, Paul was able to look back over his life with happiness. He had kept and guarded the faith. He had kept and guarded the gospel that had been entrusted to him. That's what he uh, told Timothy in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, was it 11? Uh, yes. We'll start in 8. Now, now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who uh, strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Paul Look back at his life and believe that he had guarded the gospel that he had been entrusted with. He had maintained faithfulness to Jesus even though he suffered greatly. And we saw that at the beginning of 2 Timothy as, as Paul talked about uh, in chapter 1 there. <clears throat> says, he's, I am not ashamed for the suffering for I know whom, in whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And if you go back all the way back to verse 10 uh, or 9. No, go all the way back to 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which, has, uh, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Paul started his letter, to t his final letter to Timothy, 
um, with those words, and he ends with similar words, that he was able to look back at his life knowing that he had maintained faithfulness to Jesus even though he suffered greatly because of it. He was imprisoned and would ultimately face death because of that faith to Jesus. So what about us? Will we be able to look back at our lives when it's coming to an end and look at our faith and know that we kept that faith, that we held fast to the words of eternal life in the gospel of Jesus, that we remain strong in our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Paul could die a happy man because he had precious memories. Don't change the song to that one. That is a song, right? Precious memories, that's what I thought. Um, it's also those little weird figurines. Um, but Paul was able to look back at his memories, to look back at the things that he had done. Um, and you notice that as he's looking back, he's not looking back at the life that he had before Christ, before he gave himself to Christ. But as things, that, everything that happened after that, that's what he looked back on. Next week, we're going to look at uh, how Paul looked forward, um, looking forward to the glorious hope that he had. Um, actually, not next week, two weeks from now. Um, but Paul was able to take comfort in knowing that he had fought hard, that he had run well, and that he had kept the faith. And again, a challenge that I have for you guys tonight as we go back into the working world um, this week uh, is to evaluate your life. Think about today. If you were laying on your deathbed today, would you be able to say the words that Paul just said there in verse 7? Could you confidently say that about your life since coming to Jesus? If not, are there changes that need to be made? And if you're here tonight and you haven't given your life to Jesus, why wait? You have the opportunity tonight to do that. Uh, and if you have any other need that the church can assist you with, be it through prayer or, or, uh, or study, we're here to help you with that. If we can assist you, won't you come now while we stand and sing?